Hello and welcome to the Theology Meets Reality podcast, the podcast for people who seek to follow Christ in the midst of the messiness of life and parenting. We are Lisa and Greg Casimir, and we are not afraid to deviate from the norm of culture, even Christian culture, to make sure that we are applying what we believe about God to how we live. In season one, we're talking all about identity and what makes us who we are and how we're seen by ourselves and by others. In this episode, episode five, we're talking all about how what we do, our job, our accomplishments, our ministry, and how it impacts our identity. Are we a sum of our accomplishments? Is our identity really what we do? We talk about my struggles in this area and how Greg has dealt with time in between jobs. We even get into how we can parent in light of our understanding of our value apart from our accomplishments. This is going to be a practical and relatable episode. Thanks for joining us. So we're talking today about what we do, including our career accomplishments and how they impact our identity. So I thought we'd start off by talking about some bad jobs that we have had. What is a job that you've had, Greg, that was kind of miserable? Uh, In high school, I worked in Burger King for a hot minute, uh, very hot, because I uh, was asked to like move one of the food warmers and my hand slipped. And out of instinct, like my hand moved to catch the thing I was carrying and my fingers landed on the um, heating lamp. And I got second degree burns on my fingertips. Didn't work there much longer after that. Shouldn't you have been wearing like some kind of protection? You would think. You know what I mean? Like what are those things called? Gloves. Yeah. Yeah. You would think, but uh, no, because I was like, I was doing something else and I was asked by another employee helped me with this. And so I just turned and started helping. And then I burnt my fingers. So uh, I didn't work there much longer than that. How about you? I don't know. I don't think I had any particular job that was miserable. Like, not that I can think of. I've had jobs that were challenging, but I don't know. I'm not sure any of it was like the job's fault. That doesn't make it not miserable. It just means yeah, the job like itself. Difficult jobs or bad jobs. Right. Or even just that it had people that made it miserable. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing jumps out at me. Wow. <laughs> I had more than one example to I give. I know. I didn't think I... that was the job that you were going to share. Which one was I going to share? The one that had a lot of unnecessary paperwork. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, unnecessary paperwork is not the greatest, but the job itself, as you said, the job itself wasn't miserable, but it's just a lot of wasted paper. Yeah. My other example was going to be another high school job I had at a um, uh, a nursery, like a uh, oh, yeah. for plants. And I, I'm just a high school kid getting paid nothing. And they're like, hey, go scoop uh, mulch for that guy. And I, like, I'd never driven, like, a tractor before. <laughs> but they're like, go scoop it. And, like, this is the thing that lifts the bucket and dump it out. And, yeah, it was just, it was a bad job. They didn't, like, they, I, apparently they assumed I had taken a botany class in high school and knew all about <laughs> how plants worked and everything. But public education didn't cover that as part of the core curriculum hey our kids are taking botany so now they can they're qualified to work in a nursery more qualified than i was and they still hired me 
So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about um, how we think about what we do and how that impacts our identity. And you know how they have these professional introductions at like if you're at a conference or even like if there's a guest speaker at church or work or something they give their like their resume they give an introduction there's someone who and now who needs no introduction you know him from litany of things yeah coming to you today to speak to you about whatever yeah i wrote a, i wrote an introduction that i feel like sums it up okay that says joe awesome sauce has been a pastor and business owner for 40 years he has a degree in super important topics from harvard Joe has traveled the globe speaking in multiple languages about God's love for orphans and how to pay off your home in six months. He's on the board of 10 important organizations, has written eight books on the New York Times bestseller list, won numerous awards, and he invented the toaster. He's married to his wife, Jenny, and they have six kids and 50 grandkids. <laughs> Whenever I hear these kind of introductions... Like an amazing guy. Thank you. But like, that's like not even <laughs> that, of a, that much of a stretch. Yeah, I've heard introductions like that that are just crazy and it always makes me wonder like what what am i even doing like in comparison to this right like i don't have one book on the new york times <laughs> bestseller list how do people get so much done in their lives yeah i managed to spend a little bit of time with my kids before putting them to the bed last night yeah I, I felt pretty good about that but now man, yeah they should do like a, um an introduction like that like that with the stuff that kind of not that that stuff doesn't matter but kind of like a character quality one like they've forgiven people and they've done awful <laughs> things like seriously yeah i just thought of that now yeah so my brain automatically starts going like am i doing enough even though i was comfortable with how i was living my life before does that happen to you too yeah that you know it's like and oh wow look at that type a personality guy over there that by the age of 23 had achieved his uh a PhD in theoretical computer science and now he's invented a new thing and sold that and now he's working on a new whatever and he's made 60 billion dollars by the age of 25 and now he's here to tell you about how you are not doing everything you can to live up to your potential yeah so imagine being me who has a type a personality but still is not <laughs> successful that's even more <laughs> embarrassing so <laughs> we're going to talk today about how our job and career whether we're working for pay or unpaid and all our ministry accomplishments and either other accomplishments like checking things off a to-do list or having a clean car impact our identity. And then we're going to check if that impact and how we see ourselves is in line with how God sees us in the Bible. Okay. Sounds great. So first we're going to talk about my problems. Um, <laughs> so it's been a challenge for me to separate like my value from my accomplishments my whole life. Like I really think this year I've made great strides in getting better separating my value and my accomplishments but really it's been a struggle like most of my life I've always thought God will like me more if I do this like, I knew God loved me but I mean I think he'd like me a little bit more if I did this right or I would like myself better if I accomplished this and other people would be happy with me if I did this right so do you think it's my personality? Yeah <laughs> going you, back if you want to <laughs> pause this episode and go back and listen to the personality episode that does kind of fall in line with your yeah. personality type. Yeah, I'm an Enneagram one. If that if that fits, like it's hard for me to know. Like, is this what everybody does? I don't think everybody does that. But no, there. But there is a certain percentage of the demographic. Yeah, for sure. That is that same personality. Yeah. And our culture kind of fuels it, which we'll talk about it. But um, 
really every area of my life from small, like, did I check off my own to-do list? Like, even if nobody else sees what's on my list, somehow I'm more accomplished if I complete the list that no one else sees. Or big things, like, can people see anything that I've done? Like, I have not published a book. I don't have an impressive job title or anything like that. So apparently it's just nothing. Do you want me to give you a really impressive job title? No, I'm going to talk about how I'm, like, recovering from this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, it's too late. I've already recovered. Yeah, I'm better now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm no, I'm not better now. But I did want to kind of give like just a little bit of a background to kind of how I ended up where I am. Um, so I went to seminary because that's where we felt that God was calling us to go to. And um, that was an adventure. Yeah, enjoyed it and did really well there. My plan was to go on to get a PhD and then become a professor. Um, and then God like changed our desires, at least changed my (laughs) desires at the very end of seminary. Um, he made me want a child. Like I hadn't wanted a child before. Um, and then I, I wanted to take a year off between doing my degree and going on to get a PhD, which was also like not really characteristic of me. Um, and then once our first child was born, it, he was born a few days after graduation. Um, I was planning to work. Like I wanted to work. I didn't want to stay home with him. And honestly, he was a really difficult child and I didn't have a lot of help around. Yeah. Um, and that was a huge humbling because I I went from doing things that I could talk about, like, look, I graduated from seminary or I did this or do that. Like I used to have a job and all that kind of stuff. And now I'm sitting at home with a newborn who just cries at me and nobody, like, it seems like I'm accomplishing nothing. So I'm sure other people, if you're a parent listening to this, you can relate to this, but there's something really humbling about that. And you have to consider like, am, am I still valuable as a person? If I don't actually contribute to the marketplace or do anything other people see, am I still valuable? And then God wanted me to homeschool our kids, which was not something I was ever going to do. Yeah, no, we, no. It, <laughs> that we, was God's. One of the like guiding factors in where we chose to move was like if the school system was like a decent school system, and then we chose. Oh, that's true, actually. We chose to homeschool once we moved in. So yeah, I wasn't going to do that, and so now what I do with all my most of my time is homeschool my kids and generally like take care of my kids and be a stay-at-home parent um and nobody like almost nobody sees what I do yeah everything that I do particularly in this last year yeah no but in general like I'm home with the kids in general and it's just me and nobody else sees what I do and so um that was a really big shift and I've gotten a lot better better about it. I think through COVID and a lot of other personal issues I had and struggles we've had in the past year, has, God has really helped me to see my value apart from my accomplishments and to kind of shift from doing tasks to like relational and character type things. Um, so God's working on me. And I think in a lot of ways that this is a blessing of a way to live because in some ways there's there's a lot of purity in what I do that when I'm home alone with the kids, I can do what I want to do. Like I'm not actually showing off for anybody. So I can more genuinely serve. Like if I choose to be patient with a kid instead of yelling at them and like be patient with their tantrum or whatever, I'm not doing that to get accolades. Like I'm genuinely doing that 
you know, out of service yeah, the for other, God. The other kids don't thank you for that. And I don't always choose the right thing, but I, I, it is kind of cool because it's like, I'm directly serving God. I get to, I get to have a more pure motive, I guess an easier time of it and have less temptation to, um, kind of show off for other people or try to get accolades. Um, and like, I have to be motivated on my own out of some motivation that God gives me. Cause I could, you know, sit on the couch a lot and wa- have other, all the kids watch TV <laughs> or, you know, get up early and pray and make breakfast and patiently teach the kids. Do you know what I mean? In a way yeah. that nobody sees anyway. Yeah, yeah. So in a lot of ways, there's a blessing to that um, because I get to resist a lot of the temptation of it. I definitely still feel a tug of not doing enough when I see what other people that I graduated with are doing and stuff like that. But I know in my heart I'm doing what I'm called to do. So that's a little bit about my struggle to find my identity apart from my accomplishments. So Greg, you have been in the unique situation of being in between jobs on purpose, kind yeah. of. Yeah. 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 Um, so when you're employed <laughs> and successful in a job, do you feel any different than you do when you're unemployed looking for a job yeah that that like so i personally feel like i'm accomplishing something by going to a job uh you know to work and to earn a salary to provide for our the family's needs and um you know even on bad days or whatever like i'm still i'm still working i'm still serving and doing what is required of me to provide for the family and um when we uh you know back in 2006 when we moved here for seminary like i i had been working in hr and i did not want to work in hr anymore so i was undergoing a career change and had only like a little bit of experience having worked in college to back up what I wanted to do. And it was really a struggle to be applying to jobs and having that be like a fulfilling, like, this is what I'm doing. Look, here's my, here's my proof. There's all the jobs that I applied to. Like, see, I am doing something. Um, but it never really, it never amounts to much to have just the number of applications I've sent out. Right. And then, you know, then you don't hear back from most of them. And then you get no thanks from a few. And then you get a couple of interviews for the dozens of applications that you sent out. And, you know, the same for now that, uh, I you know. It, it's, it's still the same empty feeling of uh, sending out job applications in for what I, I feel like I am more than qualified for or am interested in doing and have the um, desire to, like, you know, get in there and start learning uh, what I don't know about that role. But, you know, my resume doesn't get through the filter or the actual job ends up not being exactly what the job description said and therefore it's not a good match or whatever and it 
it's hard to to have a sense of um i guess as the as the the primary worker to have that that sense of uh accomplishment and provision yeah for the family um and uh, yeah it just i i sit on my computer and apply to jobs and right and you don't have like do you think the paycheck makes a big difference in feeling like you are valuable and accomplish something yeah uh, of course <laughs> yeah. like it you know that what i do is valued enough that someone pays me for that right. like, no one pays me to p- apply to jobs unfortunately um right yeah and it's interesting because when it's um when we've been in this position twice, I feel like it just stands out more and more how people, how often people ask, what do you do? Because when you're um, between jobs, I feel like it really just stands out that we have to like explain again. Yeah. That's one yeah. of the things that people ask, like when they first meet you. Yeah. What yeah. Do you do? And the, you know, the answer previously was, oh, well, I, this is my job title at place. Mm-hmm. I've been there for time and now it's just, uh, well, I, I work, I have worked in the IT field. I'm currently between jobs. Kind of let it hang there and see if they ask any follow-up questions. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Yeah, it's whether it intends to or not, like culture definitely values things that pay, for example. Yes. <laughs> um, And things that are visible, whether it's a position or, you know, number of number of views or number of book sales or whatever yeah the metrics yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's true because you can't you can't measure relational impacts or the value of somebody on someone else's life i guess yeah, yeah. or i don't know if we maybe we just don't really value that as a culture i'm not sure well i mean there's you know uh yeah our, <laughs> our culture absolutely does not value it uh if it's not done in a public way like yeah. it can't be recognized right. or made known. It essentially doesn't happen except to the people whom you are directly um, affecting. Right. Like the kids certainly will infinitely value that your time and efforts that you've put into homeschooling. But, you know, uh, if, and, you know, perhaps later culture will appreciate it because the kids may accomplish, you know, something of uh, public note or something, but, in the meantime, they don't know the efforts that you go to. They don't, you know, no one knows the efforts that I go to to apply to jobs and find jobs and everything. Right. One of the really amazing things about God is that he doesn't love us based on our accomplishments, thankfully. Thankfully. Right? And that God does, first of all, God does see everything that we do. So he does appreciate when we forgive someone or take the time to be patient with someone or things like that. Um but let's go ahead and go to the Bible and see what the Bible says about our value and our accomplishments and our identity related to that. So we can't be completely inclusive here, but we've got several points we found in scripture about our value and our accomplishments. So first of all, nothing that we do or anything that we've been given makes us more worthy of God's love or salvation. So Paul, when he's talking in Philippians in chapter 3, He talks about all of his credentials for righteousness. Um, 
And then he talks about the value that he had before he knew Christ. And then he says he regards it all as dung in comparison to Christ. So I'm going to read from Philippians 3. He says, For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, exult in Christ Jesus, and do not rely on human credentials, though mine too are significant. If someone thinks he has good reasons to put confidence in human credentials, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day from the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I lived according to the law as a Pharisee. In my zeal for God, I persecuted the church. According to the righteousness stipulated by the law, I was blameless. But these assets I've come to regard as liabilities because of Christ. More than that, I now regard all things as liabilities compared to the far greater value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. Indeed, I regard them as dung that I may gain Christ. So Paul really did have the credentials that you would want to have in that time, both in righteousness, like being a Pharisee, and um, in his education and background and all of that. But he knew that that wasn't anything valuable to Christ. Like that didn't add anything to Christ's kingdom or his own value. And he um, even lost them or gave them up in following Christ, which was much more valuable. Right. You do the next one. Sure. Uh, we are not to boast in our accomplishments, but give the praise to God for anything good that we do. Our next passage is from Jeremiah chapter 9, uh, 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man gloat in his wisdom, or the mighty man in his might, or the rich man in his riches. Let them boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who is just and righteous, whose love is unfailing, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Right, so it would be silly to boast in our own accomplishments because everything we have comes from God anyway. Yeah, all of our ability to do all those things comes from God. Right. Um, like our, our wisdom, if they said wise people should not boast that they are wise, or our power, our money, all those things. Um, Tony Evans calls it turtle on a fence. Like the <laughs> idea of like, <laughs> I love that if a turtle sitting on a fence post, you know the turtle didn't put itself there. But sometimes we think yeah. we got ourselves there, right? Especially yeah. if we work hard to accomplish something, if we publish a book or... <laughs> you can tell i really feel like i'd be more valuable if i published a book um maybe one day I'll... i know i know i'm, I'm just starting <laughs> starting the research <laughs> for one um or a job title or whatever all of that god gave us or even if we're just brilliant of course like that mind is something that god gave us so we don't need to boast in it and it doesn't yeah it's not of our own value yeah and you know you certainly can um you certainly can boast in it, but just as you didn't do anything to um, have that predisposition to be able to do those things, it could also be taken from you. And if that's where you've built your personal like um, sense of self and everything, like and it goes away, like then who are you? Right. The next point is that God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our money, and he doesn't need anything else that we could accomplish. If we look at Psalm 51, starting verse 16, it says, Certainly you do not want a sacrifice, or otherwise I would offer it. You do not desire a burnt sacrifice. The sacrifices God's desires are a humble spirit. O oh God, a humble and repentant heart you will not reject, because you favor Zion, do what is good for her. Fortify the walls of Jerusalem, 
Then you will accept the proper sacrifice. Burnt sacrifices and whole offerings and bulls will be sacrificed on your altar. So God does desire that we serve him and that we give generously. He wants us to work hard at whatever we're doing, but it's not because God needs our help. Yeah. Like he's not trying to create like a team to do his work as if he couldn't just speak and the whole, everything would be done. Um, but it's for our benefit, not because God needs our help. And so God desires that we do the things he asks, like sacrifice and service from a repentant heart. And we have been created for a purpose, for good works that God prepared beforehand. Uh, in Ephesians, Paul says, God saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. And uh, following on that is from Colossians. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his message in all its fullness to you Gentiles. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to his own holy people. For it has pleased God to tell his people that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles, too. For this is the secret. Christ lives in you, and this is your assurance that you will share in his glory. So everywhere we go, we tell everyone about Christ. We warn them and teach them with all the wisdom God has given us, for we want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. I work very hard at this. And I depend on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So even the good works that we're called to do is through his power working in us. So of course we couldn't like accept any more value for that. God won't value us more for doing the things that he's doing in us. Right. And and the things that he has prepared for us to do, like that he orchestrated to take place. And also that he gave us the skills and ability to accomplish like everything is his plan masterfully and in you know his own in his uh in his way for his glory it's such a relief to me like as a type a person who (laughs) (laughs) who thinks accomplishments are valuable which they are but that god just loves me just as i am and not based on what i do yeah that it doesn't matter how much you do accomplish or, you know, don't accomplish. He still loves you all the same. Right. The next point is that we are to use our talents well and to work for God and not people. So we know that God has given us talents, whether they're actually abilities or whether it's like resources, like money, for example. We think about the parable of talents, the parable of the talents where God gives um, three men different amounts of money and then one buries it and the two other invest it and God is pleased when the people invest it. So we are to use what he's given us, but we're supposed to use it for God and not to build ourselves up or to please other people. Right. Galatians 1.10 says, am I trying now to gain the approval of people or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. This is another challenge for me that we ran into this week is just 
I still want to please people, but it's important that I want to please God. I found a really cool prayer in the Book of Common Prayer, Greg, that um, really speaks to this. Okay. It says, O God in whom we trust, strengthen us not to regard overmuch who is for us or who is against us, but to see to it that we be with you in everything we do. Amen. That's a good prayer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm bookmarking that one to come back to us because it is really easy for me to regard who's with us, who, you know, who likes me, who doesn't like me, who's on the side, like my side and who's unhappy with me. But I just need to be with God and everything that I do. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty good plan. It, you know, it's not always uh, followed 100% foolproof uh, in life. Working but on it. Working We're on works it. in progress. Forever in progress. <laughs> okay, the next one. Uh, God loves us because he loves us, not because of anything we've done or can do or because of how we look or anything else. Uh, from Romans. But God showed, uh, showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So, like, there was no, there was <laughs> nothing, uh, we didn't earn it. There right. is no reason for it. Uh, we don't deserve it. Yeah, he chose us from the foundation of the from before the foundation of the world. He chose us. There was no reason for it in that, like we didn't do anything for it. Right. Yeah. There's nothing we could have done for it. Yeah, he foreknew us and chose us before the foundation of the world, and he loves us because he's a loving God. I think we can have a hard time to grasp that because we just don't know that in human, in reality. Like none of us love perfectly enough that we can point to another human and go, "Oh, they love me." <laughs> perfectly yeah without any kind of motive or anything yeah even despite my laundry list of shortcomings and things i've personally done to wrong them you know it's a perfect love that they'll always take me back that doesn't exist um perfectly like god does right even in our marriage like i loved you i love you but like i fell in love with you for reasons right yeah because <laughs> there were attributes of you that i liked so um I do feel like this truth of God loving us because he loves us and because he's loving instead of because of what we did. I feel like I experienced it more in a personal way, like when I was pregnant, because you'd have this baby that you've never met who, who doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> they do a couple things. They can't, well, they can't do anything useful. I mean, they can't even <laughs> breathe on their own at that point. Yeah. But I loved the child. Like each of my children before they were born and you think about it like why would you love that child like if i could trade that baby for another baby like i wouldn't have done it it's like why not like what did they do there's nothing like you don't even know how they look yet or anything why would you not be willing to trade it and it's like i love that child not because of who they were but because of whose they were because they were mine yeah and that was my child and that's why i love them and so I kind of think sometimes maybe that's a little bit like how God sees us. Probably. <laughs> so we're going to talk about how could we possibly apply these biblical principles to parenting. So in a world where it's really easy to focus on your accomplishments, like who's the best in school? Who's the best soccer player? Or you have to get into this college or whatever. How do we keep our kids from being really, really improperly accomplishments focused? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, um, how do we help our kids to understand their identity in Christ apart from their accomplishments, but we still want them to work hard? Right. We still want them to be driven right. and want to accomplish things, but 
not have the accomplishments be the goal in and of themselves. So I think that's really hard since obviously like I'm struggling with it or have struggled with it now that I'm recovered as an adult. I think it's hard, but I do try to think about what could we do to try to instill in our kids their biblical value. You know what I mean? Without value yeah. based on what you've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we watched like a Mr. Rogers documentary maybe a month ago. It was really good. It was really good. And they'd sung like his famous song, like it's you I like. And it was just so sweet. I feel like it's words that everybody needs to hear. Like not just kids, but adults too. Because we don't get that message very often in the world. It says, it's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way that... The way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your toys, they're just beside you. But it's you I like, every part of you, your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new. I hope that you'll remember, even when you're feeling blue, that it's you I like. It's you, yourself. It's you, it's you I like. It's <laughs> so like a tearjerker, man. It totally is. I love how he even says, he, like... He likes them even with your feelings and your toys are just beside you. Anyway, how can we convey that Mr. Rogers message? We should sit <laughs> sit our kids in front of Mr. Rogers over and over, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a good show. Um, so how can we kind of convey that, the biblical value to our kids? I thought of a couple things that I think we probably do well, perhaps. <laughs> We're just spitballing here. We are not perfect <laughs> parents and our kids aren't raised yet, but we, I kind of thought of a couple of things that I think we do that might be helpful. Um, we're trying at the very least. <laughs> we're trying. Um, I do try to think about praising character more than accomplishments. Like I've heard other people say that too. Like you're, you're not supposed to say, um, I don't know, like you, good job getting an A. You're supposed to say like, I really like how hard you worked on that or something like that. Praising their character that they're a hard worker as opposed to like the, the result, the goal. Yeah. So you could say, thank you for helping me without asking. Cause I love your servant's heart and not, not just praise them for outward things. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like, uh, the praising them for like winning the sport that they did right. as you know instead of that you tell them like i'm so proud of how hard you worked and your teamwork um you know to for you guys to like eventually you know come out on top and win and stuff but yeah not specifically about the winning just the teamwork part and sportsmanship yeah there was a time when our older son um recently like accidentally spilled a box of colored pencils that had like 300 colored pencils or something and they're all lined up in color like they're all these different colors and they're all lined up in color order and he just bent down and started picking them up and i was just so impressed that he didn't get frustrated or didn't act frustrated because that's such a frustration inducing situation yeah i probably would have gotten frustrated um and so to try to praise for character instead of just accomplishments Another thing is we try not to focus overly on outward appearance. I don't know if I'm doing this well. I try to balance it. We have one daughter and I try to balance like letting her know that she's beautiful and like loved and you know what I mean? She's yeah, that she's pretty and, but without being too much like, Oh, 
it's your values based on your outward appearance. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a delicate balance yeah. to strike to, to both compliment her on her ability to like, you know, pick out outfits that look nice or whatever, or, um, you know, compliment physical appearance overly, you know, versus telling her that, you know, you did a really good job drawing today or you worked hard on your schoolwork or you played nicely with your younger brother yeah I was even thinking like even more specifically with physical appearance like I think I want our daughter to feel that she is beautiful um without feeling like it's really valuable that she's beautiful does that make sense I want her to feel like comfortable in her own skin I don't want her to think she's ugly yeah have confidence in her physical appearance but not like rely on her physical right. appearance to exactly. be something that gets her through life. Um, another idea is trying to point them towards God's plan for them and speak into their future of possibility. This is something that Sally Clarkson does like all the time. It's always, she's always talking into the future for her kids, kind of giving them an, an imagination, expanding their idea of what they could be. Um, ideas are like, Oh, you have such a detailed memory. I wonder how God will use that in the future for you as you grow or, you have such a talent. I hope you, you know, you have the opportunity to develop it to its full potential. Like this is something God's given you to use for him kind of thing. Yeah. And then I think, um, our lifestyle in, in the midst of like a busy kind of upper middle-class suburb where God has put us, we try to live more simply. I'm sure there's people in the world who live way more simply than us, but like generally it's not a competition. No, it's not a competition, but we try not to, we try to live a little bit more simply. So some of the things that we do is we have very little screen time in our house. I think that helps because sometimes screens can give a temptation for like coveting, competing, and then the world gets to speak into them and tell them what's valuable. So just limiting that kind of resists helps us avoid some temptations and stuff like that. We try not to overschedule so that we're rushing from one activity to the next kind of thing. Yeah, and COVID has absolutely helped with that uh, this past year. I mean, <laughs> yeah. We weren't doing a whole lot to begin with, but... I don't know if the COVID helped with that, but... Well, we did, you know... Yeah, we activities. did. We had an opportunity to think about what we were doing and what's valuable. Right. Um, And then, just because we homeschool, it's... The blessing in that is that it allows us to really shape a lot of their atmosphere and speak into their lives and allow them to grow at their own rate. And we do try to live modestly, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we we don't we certainly we try not to have excessive toys or like tr- we're not getting like the new latest everything. Yeah, we're not keeping up with the Joneses no. by any stretch of the imagination. And <laughs> yeah, um, and that's that's just a choice. Like, it there's always right. going to be something newer and better and greater, and it that's exhausting. Yeah, for and sure. it's also resource intensive. Yeah, that's true too. Um, so we just try to we try to live as modestly as we really can in the, you know, as you said, the upper middle class middle class suburb that we live in. I mean, yes, there are people elsewhere who are probably doing a much better job than we are, but we're this is what God has given us, where He's put us, and um, we just try to do our best to use like what we have and for as long as we can without um unnecessarily upgrading to 
new things for selfish reasons, I guess. Yeah. And we don't do this perfectly. And those are just some of the ideas that I kind of came up with off the top of our head, but it's for sure a work in progress. If you have brilliant parenting tips, you can email us because we have an email address. It's the, what is theology meets theology reality, meets reality at, at outlook.com at outlook.com. See, um, Obviously, you don't have to parent this way to follow scripture because none of these are biblical must-dos, just some ideas that we had. We do know that our value comes from the fact that God's chosen us, right? Yeah. And that everything that he has for us to do, He will, um, we will do in his power, and he'll get the glory for that. Yeah, and we just, you know, we work every day to trust in him and to be aligned with his will and walk in his ways it's it's like a near constant prayer for me yeah uh, especially right now uh he has a plan and a purpose for us and um his timing isn't our timing so it's it's there's a lot of patience that i've been learning and um it's ultimately far more rewarding to do what he has planned instead of going out and trying to you know make myself worth what I do that if I don't have, you know, that I have a job. So I'm, I'm doing God's work cause I have a job. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. And God is so gracious and I'm so thankful that <laughs> it's not based on what we do, but out of his grace and love for us. Yeah. All right, Greg, is that a wrap? Yeah, I think we did a pretty good job. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, we're doing okay. We're okay. Doing okay. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all of our listeners and are praying for you. If you'll take two minutes to rate and review our brand new podcast, we would be so grateful. For more information on today's episode, head to theologymeetsreality.com or check out the show notes. Until next time, follow Christ, not culture.